Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. It is so good to be with you. My name is Chris McDaniel. Um, I, before we get into today's reading, uh, I just want to say that if you are enjoying this podcast, I am honored uh, that you would be joining us uh, on a regular basis, or maybe today is your first time. Um, go wherever you hit up podcast and give us a review and a like and share with some friends. Um, this is a labor of love uh, for me that I'm doing here in my office uh, at the church where I serve as pastor because I just believe that getting short devotional readings in the hearts and hands of people is a good idea. It's good for our souls. And so spread the word if this is a gift to you. And I just want to say I'm honored that you're participating with us. Today I'm going to read from Genesis 8. Um, This is one of our readings from the Anglican Lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer. And it picks up toward the very end of the flood narrative in, in the beginning of our Bible. The scripture says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed, and the rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated, and in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent out a raven, and it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set its foot, and it returned with him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put his hand out and took it back and brought it into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove, and it did not return to him anymore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would give us grace, um, regardless of how we read the flood story in Genesis, whether we read it as water literally covering the whole earth or this being just a massive um, event of rain that was a clear sign to humans of something God you were doing. I pray that you would release us from reading this in a technical way today. And for our purposes today, I pray that you would help us to see the truth and the beauty of the way that you are speaking to us through your word. God have mercy on us, I pray in Jesus name. Amen and amen. So again, as I alluded to in my prayer, we're not going to do a, a technical historical analysis over whether a flood covered the whole earth or a big part of the earth. Um, what we're going to look at today is, I think, what this story is meant for us to look at, which is how God works, how sin works, and how waiting works. Uh, there is so much in this passage for us. I was gripped as I was looking at the the lectionary readings for this day, and I was just struck by how hard it is to do what Noah did, and yet how often we have to do what Noah did in one way or another as we live our own lives and manage our own quote-unquote boats as we navigate our way through life. So today we're going to speak about trial, sin, storms, and waiting. 
Uh, as I said, this story in this moment in the passage picks up at the very end of an epic story. The, the flood uh, tells us of sin and brokenness. It tells us of the judgment of God, the preservation of life. It's all here. This is an amazing story. Um, I think this is uh, uh, I, actually Genesis, in my view, is a comprehensively beautiful, true story about people and about God and about brokenness. And so what we catch here at the very end of this narrative is that Noah's riding out the storm with his family, and he's got an assortment of animals with him. And they've been cooped up in this thing for a very long time. Um, and a few things stand out to me that I just want to share. And I'll offer some commentary here, but y'all, I trust you that you can listen to what I'm about to say as I stick very close to the text and you can think about your own life and you can ask the question, how does my life intersect with this story? Where am I right now? I would just ask you to ask yourself that question. So the first thing we see in the, the flood narrative is that life is hard and that there are consequences to sin. The Lord in the story, if we back up earlier in Genesis, sees that humans had just gone off the rails. I mean, the project of humanity has deteriorated remarkably since Genesis 3. Uh, people are far from their God-intended purpose. Uh, the echo of humans vulnerable, naked, and unashamed walking with God in the cool of the day that we see in the first couple of chapters of our Bible is almost gone. Now lawlessness abounds. Um, territorialism is prevalent. Uh, brokenness and violence and darkness is everywhere. And God essentially says, this isn't working. We're going to start over. And there are times, even as I look at my own life, where it almost feels like a teardown is needed, you know, where you get to a point and you're just like, this is not working. You may be there right now. Um, you may be looking at your job or you may be looking at a particular relationship or um, you may be looking at your heart as you approach people or your faith and think this isn't even working. It's so far from its original intended purpose. And I just am struck by the fact that Genesis 8 tells us that very quickly things can go south. They can just get out of hand in a hurry. But here's what we hear in the Genesis narrative. Even in the midst of that judgment and the teardown and the starting over, uh, God preserves life. He makes a way to abide. Even in the midst of loss and pain and confusion and uncertainty, God makes a way. He tells Noah, build a boat. It had never rained. And God's like, something big's about to happen. I'm about to rain down in a way that's going to disrupt all of humanity and all of the animal kingdom. And he says to Noah, but I want there to be continuity of life. And I just want to say that in the midst of the losses that we endure, God always makes a way for life. He makes a way for us to abide the storm for life to be preserved. It doesn't mean that we're not scared. It doesn't mean that we don't endure a lot of loss. It doesn't mean that we don't displease the Lord sometimes, but he makes a way. So Noah builds a boat and he and a few select humans and some animals, male and female, get in the boat and in the midst of loss, in the midst of judgment, in the midst of devastation, life persists. Life goes on. The third thing we see in this text is that eventually storms end. We're told that after many, many days, 
Um, and I would just counsel you to not be technical about the days, uh, 40 days, 40 nights. Um, those, those numbers in the Old Testament typically mean a long time. So after a long time, it stopped raining. But after the rain stops, after the storm ends, the water is still just as high as it was. And that's where our passage picks up today. The rain stops, and after a long time, the waters begin to recede. I love that the passage says God made a wind to blow. He brings the end to the trial. The rain stops, and then God brings a wind, and then the water slowly but surely begins to recede. And that brings me to the next thing we see. Storms end. And after that, it takes a long time for any resemblance of a return to normal to occur again. The waters recede very gradually. It takes a long time for things to begin to dry out. And if you are anything like me, I, I would just say it's probably pretty easy to look at your life and see there are some parts of my life that feel really wet right now. Maybe the rain has stopped. Maybe the acute phase of things just getting worse day by day by day. Maybe that stopped. But the recession of the water, the drying out of the land, your life's contours returning to normal. Goodness, y'all, that takes a really, really long time. And you just can't hurry the recession of water. It does what it does. We're told that the waters abated by the seventh month but that it took three more months for the tops of the mountains to show. That would have been a really hard three months. But I know that you know what that feels like. There have been times in my own life, it wasn't long ago, that I thought, okay, the rain has stopped. <laughs> but why is it so wet out here? There's nowhere to put my feet. Noah had to wait for three full months after the rain had stopped and the water started abating before he could even see any dry ground. And maybe you're in just that place right now. Maybe there's a part of your life that feels flooded, that feels wet. You know, I mean, our emotions are like this. When uh, There's a reason why people use the terminology around being flooded. Like, oh, I feel like my emotions have been flooded or I've been flooded by a circumstance. Because when we get overrun by adversity, by confusion, by negative uh, emotions, by anxiety, oftentimes we feel completely flooded. And it just takes a long time for flood waters to recede. So maybe you're just impatient right now. Maybe you're looking at someone or living with someone who is flooded and you're wondering, why don't they just get on with it? What's wrong with these people? I just want to say it takes a long time for flood waters to recede. And I don't know, we're not told in, in Genesis exactly what Noah did. I mean, we're going to look at some of what he did in a few moments. But my gut would tell me that from the moment that that seventh, seventh month happened, or maybe from the moment the rain stopped, you know, the, the torrential downpour stopped, he's probably opening the window every single day to see if things had changed. And it took a long time for things to change. My grandmother used to say a watch pot never boils. Um, which is technically not true, but I think it's a really good Southern colloquialism because what that means is that when we're being hypervigilant, it seems as if the slow change is a never change. 
And I would submit to you that floodwaters always take a long time to recede. And if you are trying to be hyper vigilant, if you are checking the water level every five minutes, it'll seem as if it's never going to end. But we almost can't help ourselves because we just want to put our feet back on something that feels firm and solid. And that's what change does, right? That's what uncertainty does. It puts us in uncertain spaces. It, it takes us off solid footing and puts us on something that feels way more turbulent, topsy-turvy than that. Noah was living that every day. And I would imagine that it was a hard three months, a hard five months, a hard however long it ended up taking. So after three months, he begins to use birds. And this is so great because this is kind of like when you sense that the end of a season of uncertainty may be approaching, you, like Noah, will start using birds. He puts a raven out and it just flies back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then he puts a dove out and the dove flies around, but it has nowhere to step on land. It has no no foothold, if you will. Um, so it just comes back and he receives it back in. So he's testing. Is it over yet? And then the interesting thing about that bird, when the dove comes and, and comes back and doesn't land anywhere, Noah doesn't put the bird out the next day. I think he'd learned some kind of a lesson around hypervigilance. He waits a full week and he puts it out again. And that day it flies all day and comes back at night with a little shoot of an olive branch in its mouth. So that means it had found a tree. So then what does Noah do? He waits a whole nother week and sends it out again. And this time it doesn't return because it had found home. The ground was solid enough for trees and earth and birds to find worms and do the things that birds do. But isn't that interesting? He waits three months. He puts a bird out. Nothing happens. He waits a week. He puts a bird out, something small happens, he waits another week. What does that look like for you right now? Maybe you're sensing that change is coming, that transition's coming, that a new beginning is coming. How do you follow Noah's pattern? Wait forever and then begin to test incrementally with patience. Our testing around the end of seasons of uncertainty has to be done with patience. What does waiting a week look like? What does not yet look like? What does waiting another week look like? And then Noah has to get out of the boat. He has to put his feet back on solid ground and start over, rebuild. New beginnings, they come. Inevitably, as we live our lives, we will experience new beginnings. But in order for a new beginning to happen, to occur, to even be needed, something has to end. And so I would encourage you to think about the things in your life that are ending. I would encourage you to think about the places where you feel like you can identify with a part of this story. Where are you, like Noah, maybe seeing something end or riding out a storm, thinking it's going to take forever? Maybe you're testing whether things are really coming to an end, whether something different is occurring. I would encourage you to find yourself in this story because this story is a true story. It's true on so many levels. And in large part, it's true because it tells us who we are 
and how hard it is to wait, how painful it is to be in uncertainty, and that God provides a way for us to navigate these difficult times that come, that inevitably come as we live our lives. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you next time. Amen. Amen.